Welcome to Nevertheless, She Persisted. I'm your host, Sadie. Every Friday, I post interviews about mental health, dialectical behavioral therapy, and teenage life. These episodes break down my mental health journey, teach skills to help you cope with life, and showcase testimonials from teens just like you. Whether you've struggled yourself or just want to improve your mental fitness, this podcast is your inspiration to live a life you love and keep persisting. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of She Persisted. It feels like a while since I've said that. I took two weeks off from uploading podcasts. I have a bunch of recordings ready, like interviews, but when I looked at the calendar, I was like, okay, Fridays are Christmas Day and New Year's Day, and even if I have the best intentions about recording an intro and editing a podcast and prepping the social media every single Thursday, like tonight, I end up editing and figuring out the promotional content. It's just a total mess. So I was like, do I really want to be like stressing over this and focusing on this on Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve? And I was like, really, I don't. I want to be able to stay present, spend time with family, etc. So took two weeks off, but we're back. And so this week I wanted to do a Q&A episode because it felt like such a long time. So I got to just sit down and talk to you guys. So I went on Instagram if you're not already following at She Persisted Podcast on Instagram, go ahead and follow there. I always announce when I'm doing Q&A episodes there. So if you ever have a question you want to ask, you can be sure to keep an eye out on Instagram. But you can also email me at inquiries at shepersistedpodcast.com. And I'm really good about responding to those emails, whether it's advice for a kid who's struggling or resources, anything like that. I'm always here. This week is a little bit crazy. We just got back into school. We're still doing Zoom classes. I'm really feeling emotionally vulnerable today and this is something that's kind of hard to explain but it's kind of like essentially when you're feeling really hangry or if you haven't slept well and you just like immediately get annoyed at what everyone's doing and like you have such a short fuse like that's kind of what you can describe as emotional vulnerability so like you haven't necessarily gone through a bunch of stuff that day but your level of emotion is already heightened and so I got to sleep a little bit later last night because of work and homework and so definitely feeling that today. So we'll see how this episode goes. But it's something that's really helpful for me to for me to be aware of because especially when I was first getting my sleep nailed down, when I would travel with my family or we would be slightly off on our sleep schedules, I would be so irritable. We'd like be walking through the airport and I'd be like crying because I was just so struggling to maintain my emotions. I was so emotionally vulnerable already and I wasn't really aware, aware of that. So I was like fighting against myself as I was feeling these really intense emotions. So kind of having that awareness and that self-compassion for myself being like, okay, today's like a little bit rough. I know that my emotions are stronger today than they might normally be. And I'm just going to be aware of that and sit with that and give myself some self-compassion around that. So with that little intro being said, I am really excited to jump into all these questions that you guys had. And I'm going to kind of jump around. Again, all of these are from Instagram. Be sure to ask any questions that you want to see in the next Q&A. So I want to start with this one. What inspired you to start your podcast? So this is a really good question and it really embodies everything that She Persisted is about. And I want to answer this first in case we have any new listeners here today so you can understand a little bit about me straight from the get-go. So when I was in eighth grade and my freshman year of high school, I struggled a lot with my mental health, whether that was a really severe depression, really severe anxiety. I struggled with suicidal ideation for a long time and it really just took over my entire life. Every single day kind of was made up of those feelings of shame and loneliness and sadness and just overall numbness. And I was super isolated from friends. I became really angry at my family and isolated myself from them too. And it it was really a miserable time in my life. And so 
After trying a lot of different outpatient therapies around home, whether that was doing group therapies or being in the hospital, meeting with a family therapist, a counselor, all of those different routes, nothing was really changing. And now I can look back and say that I know things weren't changing because A, I didn't truly believe that I could get better. So if you're going into anything in life with the belief that it's not going to work, it's not going to work. It's kind of like manifesting. You're setting yourself up for failure. And so same exact thing, thing happened with my treatment and that I didn't believe treatment would work for me. I thought I was forever broken. And can you close my door? I really had this belief that treatment wouldn't be effective and that for some reason I was the outlier in all of therapy and all of treatments. And so the second part of that was that every single time I was going to these therapy appointments, I was diving into these treatments, I was again not fully believing what I was doing. So I was going to these appointments because my parents said I had to, a therapist said I had to, people were telling me that it would help or that it was necessary and I wasn't going to treatment and going to therapy because I cared enough about myself because I loved myself enough to want to get better and I had a lot of self-hatred and so there was no desire to live a happy life or to have things turn around for myself and so I was going through the motions for someone else and no matter what goal you're pursuing in life when you're not truly invested in something when you're not doing something for yourself the results aren't going to be as long-lasting as if you're doing it from a place of self-motivation and self-growth. And so those were the two reasons that treatment wasn't working at home. So come halfway through freshman year, I went to a residential program in Boston, and it's called 3 East McLean Hospital. I will put the website in today's show notes, but I cannot speak highly enough of this residential program. I stayed for 14 weeks. I did tons of skills education. I did a lot of family therapy. I did loads and loads of individual work, understanding my anxiety, learning how to work with my anxiety and cope through it instead of just having it be the end-all be-all. This is a disaster. I started to decrease that depression by maintaining my daily schedule. I kept busy. I accumulated positives. I started to actually sleep and eat and fuel my body in a way that allowed me to improve my mental health. I was there for 14 weeks and within those 14 weeks, by the end of my stay, I was able to wake up in the morning and not immediately feel depressed. I was able to go longer than a couple of days without a panic attack and I was building relationships in my life that I loved and cared about and wanted to improve. And so that was a huge um, pivotal moment in my treatment. And so after that, I went to a therapeutic boarding school for a little bit over a year, but I got to a point about a year into my treatment where I was like, holy crap, I'm at this point and If you'd looked at me a year ago and said, you can get better, you can change your life, you don't have to be depressed, I I would have said, that's not true. I'm the outlier. I'm the only teenager who's destined to be unhappy forever. And I know that it's different for other people, but for me, it's just not in the cards. And I genuinely believe that. And so a year later, I loved my life. I felt truly happy. I had relationships I cared about. I had a relationship with my family, which was huge. And I was no longer feeling depressed and anxious and suicidal. And so... I was living this life that everyone told me I could live and I didn't believe. And so throughout my treatment journey, I came into contact with so many amazing professionals and teenagers and individuals, and I learned such powerful skills. And I was very aware that that's not something that every single teenager gets to do. It's kind of uncommon for someone to unroot their entire high school education for a year get treatment, and then dive back into life. And so I wanted to bring those tips and tricks and highlights and stories to a larger audience and share with you guys that no matter what you're going through, I've been there and I understand that it feels like nothing can ever change. And I promise you that it can because I believed the exact same thing. So that's what inspired me to start the podcast. So the next question that I wanted to answer was, how do you find time to relax when you have a lot to do? 
So this is totally speaking to me right now because I am currently in the second semester of senior year, which I know everyone gets senioritis and slacks off, but I'm really trying to start the semester off strong and stay on top of things. I also have the podcast. I What I do for work is partially social media management, Instagram content marketing, and then also podcast production for other creators. And so that takes up a large chunk of my time as well. So full-time high school student, I have work and the podcast among just other daily life things, hanging out with friends, all of that kind of stuff. So one tip that I have for finding time to relax when you have a lot to do is creating a morning and night routine that builds self-care into your day already. It can be really difficult when you're in the middle of the swing of things, you have homework assignments due, you're studying for a test, you have work deadlines coming up to be like, I'm going to self-care today. Like that's really hard to wrap your mind around and build into your schedule. However, if you have a night routine that is drinking a hot tea that you really enjoy and taking a shower with some of your favorite products or reading a book you love before bed, and maybe in the morning you really enjoy a certain cup of coffee or sitting at the kitchen table and looking outside, whatever it is, you can build those moments of self-care already into your day. It's just your baseline of functioning. So yeah, that can be really helpful for finding time to self-care and relax within your day when you have a super busy schedule. Next question that I want to answer is I'm going to go like kind of quick on these questions because I want to try and answer as many as them of them as possible. The next question is if you want to start a podcast, what are the first three to five action steps that you can take? So I want to go over a couple different things. So logistics. The first thing is different accounts you have to sign up for to be able to produce a podcast and get it on all your favorite platforms. So that looks like Anchor, which is a free service you can sign up for. There are a couple different podcast platforms you can use to produce and get your podcast on all different apps and platforms. However, Anchor is free and it's easy to use and I think it's great for beginners. So Anchor is a first really important account to have. The next thing is what you're going to use to edit and whether that's Audacity, Adobe Audition, you can even use iMovie. There's lots of free options you can edit in the Anchor website or the Anchor app. So there's lots of options that you can do on a budget, but having an account for something that will allow you to edit your podcast. I also definitely recommend making social media for your podcast just as a landing base for listeners to go to. So it's if you're looking for a podcast and you're like oh it's on apple podcast like great maybe someone can go and search and find it but you want to make it as easy for the listener as possible to find your episodes to find your features and other podcasts to find the link so if you can have a landing based social media that shows posts from when your episodes come out your recent guests behind the scenes and all of the links to your episodes that is huge So as far as accounts and logistics to set up when you're starting your podcast for your first step, that would be Anchor, some form of editing service, and an Instagram. The next action step that I would say is kind of plan out a bunch of episode ideas that you have. Maybe it's talking about your favorite movies, your favorite books. Maybe it's exploring a tough topic like mental health. Whatever it is, write out in like 25 different topics that you love talking about, you feel like you're super passionate about. And pick whichever one gets you the most excited, whichever one you're like, oh, I love this idea. I'm so, feel so creative about this episode topic and take that and run with it. Start with an episode and it probably won't sound exactly what you want it to sound like. You probably won't be able to get all your thoughts out the exact way you want to. Your editing probably won't be exactly where you want to be and that's okay. You have to start somewhere. The Skinny Confidential, Lauren Everett's Bostick, who's one of the podcast queens for sure, One of her tips is to start a podcast right now because you won't truly find your voice and get good at what you're doing for the first 50 episodes. And I just hit 50 episodes like a couple weeks ago. So if you can just start getting episodes out 
every single week you'll get better at production and editing and just talking and carrying conversations and communicating to your audience what you're hoping to. So coming up with a list of things you're passionate about, diving into one, taking it and running with it and having self-compassion that you won't be exactly where you want to be. The third thing I have, which is super helpful and I do constantly, is finding inspiration. And so whether that's following other podcasts on Instagram to get idea for production or marketing or promoting your episodes or listening to tons of other podcasts, if you can constantly constantly be looking for ways to improve your show, up the quality, keep things changing and different to keep your listeners engaged, that is huge. So first, logistics create those accounts second find something you're super passionate with run with it understand that you won't be a pro podcaster the first episode you put out and also going back to that one when you see these celebrities putting out new podcasts like charlie and dixie just came out with a podcast it's important to remember that they have a team of 10 to 15 maybe even 50 people that are working behind the scenes to produce this podcast it's not them doing all the work behind the scenes with the website with the website, the marketing, the production, the editing, they're not doing that themselves. So why would you expect yourself to do the work of 15 people? You'll get better at it. You'll get more efficient. But it's important to kind of understand that these huge podcasts are not just one person doing all the legwork. So that's the second step. And then the third action step you can take is get inspired. Constantly be having new podcasters in your feed, listening to podcasts, coming up with new intro and outro ideas, all that kind of stuff. If you're listening to this, I am doing an Instagram live while I'm recording this podcast and my lovely sister Ivy is the only one that's watching my Instagram live. We love supportive siblings. So that's some behind the scenes for anyone that's listening to this after I've posted it. This week's episode is sponsored by Teen Counseling. I cannot tell you guys how many DMs, texts, emails I get from teens, parents, even friends asking, how can I find a therapist? How can I enroll in therapy? How can I find a therapist for my teen? How do I tell my parents I want to go to therapy? That's why I'm partnering with Teen Counseling. Teen Counseling is an online therapy program with over 14,000 licensed therapists in their network. They offer support on things like depression, anxiety, relationships, trauma, and more, and it's all targeted at teens. They offer text, talk, and video counseling. So no matter what level of support you're looking for, they got you. You're going to go to teencounseling.com slash she persisted. You'll fill out a quick survey about what your goals are for therapy, whether that's improving your mental health during the pandemic, working on your relationship with your parents, improving self-esteem, whatever it is, they'll match you with therapists that fit your needs. You'll enter your information and your parents' information. Your parents will get a super discreet email saying your child is interested in working with a licensed therapist at teencounseling.com. They head to the website, learn a little bit more about the program, and a preview to work with a therapist. And from there, you can meet that therapist on a frequency that works for you. This is a great way to dip your toe into the therapy world and get support when you need it without having to go into an office, meet with a therapist, meet with a stranger, and go through all of that for the first time. So you can go to teencounseling.com slash she persisted. Again, that's teencounseling.com slash she persisted to get started today. Okay. Next question is who inspires you the most right now and why? So this changes constantly, I think. Whenever I was doing like essay prep questions for the SAT or even in middle school when they would be like practice essays for standardized tests, I feel like this is a big one, which is who inspires you? And it always seemed like such an overwhelming question to answer. It seemed like such a commitment and I would have to stick with that person forever. Anyways, 
My answer for this week is pretty simple, and that is small creators on TikTok that are putting themselves out out there and sharing value. I think it's really admirable to share what you've learned and not put a price tag on it and just want to help people because you want to see them succeed. So that is a huge thing that I that is inspiring me right now. I'm following a lot of social media um, managers on TikTok right now, and all of them are giving such amazing tips for creating a brand and creating a brand identity for someone else and different tips and tricks for improving your Canva graphics and all that kind of stuff. So to to be selfless enough to want to help other small creators succeed, I think is something really inspiring and admirable. And yeah, next question. I don't know if I'm qualified to answer, but it says, what are your best tips to having a successful podcast? I don't really know if I'm qualified to answer this question because I would not say by any means this is the Joe Rogan experience or anything like that. And I feel like I've learned a little bit along the way, which is what has helped me grow my audience and have things that listeners identify with and enjoy. So, these are things that you've heard before. And I know it sucks because you just want that easy fix that will grow your podcast off the charts and everyone will start listening to it and it takes time. And so the first advice is definitely consistency. Audiences take time to build. It takes time for people to tell other people about your show and say that they love listening to it. So if you can consistently be posting episodes and be consistent with your branding and your content and your social media presence and reaching out to new creators and reaching out to new guests and and week after week just continuing to put out content, that will help your growth and your growth will be exponential. The other tip that I have is every single week when you're approaching your podcast episode, improving it in some way, whether that's audio quality, how you're preparing for the episode, maybe your editing style if you switch up your intro, how you're promoting the episode, the graphics you use for the episode, whatever it is, if every single week you are improving the quality of your podcast and giving listeners something new and improved and better to listen to and have a better experience, that is huge for gaining an audience because we've all listened to that podcast where the audio quality is super janky and it's hard to follow the conversation and you're like, what am I listening to? The goal is for every minute of your podcast to provide something to your listener, whether that's entertainment or value or support, whatever it is you want your listener to take something away from listening to your episode. And so if every single week you can work to improve those values that you're getting to your listener, that also definitely helps with podcast growth. The next question I touched on a little bit at the beginning of this episode, but the question is the thing that surprised you the most about your treatment journey. This can be anything. So like I said at the beginning of the episode, when I first started going through mental health treatment and diving into my depression and anxiety and learning skills and working on relationships, I did not believe that anything would change. So if there was anything that I came out of the treatment journey with that was shocking and surprising, it was that treatment worked and that I got better and that I actually loved life and looked forward to things because that was such a foreign concept for me. So yes, that was definitely the most surprising thing about my treatment journey. Question, is something you wish you knew before going through treatment? So I remember going into treatment, whether it was the first time I was in the hospital, the first time I showed up at residential, And I remember being so scared in those moments. I really didn't understand what the people would be like there. I didn't, I was just, it was like social anxiety, but to the max because you're in this really unique environment, which is like a mental health hospital. And so for me, at least I was having lots of judgments and preconceived notions and was really nervous to dive into these relationships. And so I wish I really did know that the people around you in treatment, they get it better than anyone. They're in the exact same situation as you. They probably don't want to be there. 
they've suffered, they've struggled, and they get it. So if you can really lean into those relationships and understand how valuable that connection is, that's huge. I also really wish that I knew going into treatment that that treatment as a industry and a philosophy isn't always going to be what's right for you. And I don't mean that treatment doesn't work and that there aren't different modalities that are extremely effective and clinically proven. I mean that not every single moment of your treatment you'll necessarily be improving or you'll do a therapy session that helps you or you'll have a relationship that's super conductive to your growth. So I wish I knew that at certain moments I can be like, hey, this isn't working for me or I don't really know if this is helping me with my depression or my anxiety, or I don't really know if this set of skills is really helping me improve my mental health. So I wish I knew how valuable the relationships could be off the bat. It took me a long time for me to learn that. And I really wish that I knew that treatment can have flaws and can have faults. And it's okay to say that and voice that to people you trust, especially your your parents, your friends, whoever it is. The next question is best tips for maintaining personal happiness while in shelter in place. I have to lean on DBT for this one and a skill that I talk about all the time called accumulating positives. And so the idea of accumulating positives is that you are intentionally having moments of joy. And so we've all been in an experience where maybe you're watching a movie and you're like, oh my gosh, that's funny. Like, I didn't expect that. So that is accumulating joy, but accumulating positives is planning out these positives in your life when we have these kind of spontaneous moments of joy, they can be very valuable, but when you're struggling with something like depression, having spontaneous moments of joy can be really far and few between and and, and difficult to come by. So if you can intentionally say, hey, I'm going to go on a walk today because I love being outside and that puts a smile on my face, or I'm going to watch an episode of The Office tonight because I really enjoy that TV show and that totally makes my day, or I'm going to make banana bread because love making banana bread and that makes me happy. Whatever it is that you can kind of do to build those positives into your day, that is definitely a huge tip for maintaining your happiness during quarantine. And so if you can say, okay, I'm going to have one moment of happiness that I'm going to intentionally have in my morning. I'm going to do one in the middle of the day. Maybe it's taking notes in a class or something that brings you joy and then one in your night routine. Then every single day you are guaranteed to have three moments of happiness. So it doesn't matter how depressed you wake up or how much you're struggling with anxiety or how alone you feel. You have these three moments of guaranteed positives throughout your day and then when you're looking back at the day or the week or the month or whatever it is instead of getting into that headspace of everything sucks there's nothing to look forward to I hate everything about my life instead you're like okay I have these moments that I have accumulated throughout the past day week month etc that I love and that bring me joy so not everything is all bad and I know it can feel like that but I have these moments that I really do enjoy and that bring me happiness. The next question is tips for procrastination. And this is another question where I'm like, am I qualified to answer this? Because I swear I'm the biggest procrastinator on the planet. It's 8.56 p.m. right now and this episode is coming out tomorrow and I'm just now recording it. So I am definitely a huge procrastinator. Things that I have found to be helpful are to-do lists. I know this isn't necessarily procrastination, but organization-wise, if I don't write it down in a planner and everything goes in the same place, I'm going to forget. And so if you go on my Instagram, She Persisted Podcast, I've done a lot of videos and posts and stories about my bullet journal. I have a whole highlight for it, and I found it really effective for managing my mental health. And so whether that's tracking emotions and behaviors, as well as just having a planner and a calendar that everything is stored on, it's just been huge for me. So organizationally, I know that if I don't write something down, it's not going to happen. I'm going to forget. I'm going to miss the deadline, etc. I This is more of a motivation thing rather than procrastination, but when it comes to getting up and going in the morning, 
I can't think about it. I'm not someone where I'm like, okay, let me lay in bed and I'll do the pros and cons of getting out of bed and then I'll get out of bed. I'll just talk myself into staying into bed longer. So if you can just get up and do whatever you're supposed to do without thinking about it, that is another huge skill. Like maybe like a three, two, one, go. Like just forgetting to think about it and not weighing out the pros and cons, just diving into it. Another very helpful skill for procrastination is time blocking. Setting out to finish all of your homework for the night can be really overwhelming, but if you say, okay, I'm going to do 15 minutes of work on this assignment and then I'm going to take a break, that's a lot more manageable and bite-sized than doing everything all at once. So setting timers, another huge thing for me is kind of planning out my day. So on my calendar, I'll literally plan out from the time I get up to go to going to bed. And of course, I know I'm going to have breaks in there. Things aren't going to go to plan, but if I can say, okay, I know I have to do two hours of work emails tonight and I have four hours of school throughout the day and I also want to record an hour of podcasting, I fit that into my day and I know I really have to stick to the schedule or these things aren't going to get done. So those are my biggest tips for procrastination. So yeah, I think that's where I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up because we've answered a lot of questions today, but thank you so much to everyone who submitted questions. Again, if you guys want to ask questions, feel free to follow me on Instagram at at shepersistedpodcast and you can also email me at inquiries at shepersistedpodcast.com to either get an immediate response to your question if it's time sensitive or to be included in the next Q&A episode. So thank you so much everyone for listening. If you enjoyed, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and share with friends and I will be back next Friday with another episode.